Hello again, everyone, and welcome to episode 35 of Three Point Podcast. Three guys, three generations, three different takes. I'm Ted Fattel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5. On the phone is Matt Burns of ESPN and Jared Fattel of Fox 17 in Grand Rapids. Our sponsors tonight include the Corona Public Schools, Rivals Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, and our podcast recording home, Z92.5 The Castle. We'll also be checking in a little later with our crusty athletic supporter, Jack Strap. And as we always like to say, we really appreciate all the support and comments at our new Twitter site, at 3 Point Pod. Help us continue to grow and subscribe on Apple iTunes. You can also find us on SoundCloud or TuneIn. Whichever site you use to listen to us on, we really do appreciate it. Now, tonight we'll be checking in with John Hayes of ESPN. We're going to go deep into college football talk. A lot of great matchups this weekend, including a great Saturday night primetime game, Michigan at Notre Dame, and Friday night's Utah State MSU game at Spartan Stadium. All right, guys. Hey, let's start the show with a with a little recap of some high school football. A couple of streaks in uh, Michigan came to an end last week. Uh, Ithaca, their 73-game regular season winning streak ended by two-time state champion Puama Westphalia. And here a little closer to our heart, Owasso and Corona, the football game they play every year opening night. Owasso on a 35-game losing streak. Uh, not anymore. 23-18 over the Cavaliers. Quite a lot of excitement in Owasso last Friday night. Yeah, that's pretty crazy to hear. I know obviously we did a huge preview show last week on it, and uh, I was getting I was on uh, Twitter kind, kind of trying to keep updated on the game. And then some friends were texting me who were at the game. So I had to tune in. I had to turn on the, the 92.5 app and listen to you guys call the game. It sounded exciting. It definitely was. And I know, Jared, it was, you, were, thought, you were probably aching to be at the game, but you were busy elsewhere. Yeah, I was working. Uh, I was covering, actually, it was Cavaliers Central versus Manhattan, which, I mean, it was an okay game. When I saw that, that cracked me up on Twitter. I saw that Owasso, some Owasso kids tweeted at uh, Crazy's crazy, uh, Nation's like Twitter account and mm. said, like, you guys took it to hell, and you know who retweeted it? <laughs> the man himself. That's what tell. I did. I have to play down the center when I'm on the radio. <laughs> and I actually got a chuckle out of it anyway. So can you kind of give me, I wasn't able to really, I was, I was working, so I wasn't really able to listen to the game, and I wasn't able to watch it, obviously. Can you kind of give me a rundown of what you saw? Uh, well, the Wasps like Wing D just carving them up from what I heard? Well, you know, I, I, will, I will say this. From a year ago to now, Coach Devin Pringle really has improved the program. Yeah, they're still running the Wing T. He did mix it up a little bit, went to a little bit of a wildcat offense at times. He's got two stud players in the backfield, the Blaha brothers, uh, and uh, they're very, very good, aggressive players. You would have enjoyed watching uh, how into the game they were. Your brother Josh was up there spotting for me, and he was getting a few laughs. But I will say this. Owasso took it to Corona physically. How often do you hear this? You know, the Trojans had like over 135 yards and penalties, most of them personal fouls. They had at least seven or eight solid personal foul penalties, roughing the passer, hitting somebody out of bounds. I mean, I think I think it, it, it took a toll on Corona, and they stuck in the game. They, they kept it close. And then, as we see so often, turnovers can kill you, and Corona turned the ball over with about a minute and 20 seconds to go, and Owasso knocked in the game-winning touchdown with a short field late in the game. And there you go. There's a Trojan victory. It is cool to hear. I mean, obviously being Corona alums, we want Corona to win. But I mean, we talked about it on the Sports Forum, your show after the game. But, you know, it's one of those things, if you want this to continue to be a rivalry, eventually Owasso is going to have to start winning some games. Otherwise, it's not, it's not going to be a rivalry. Yeah. And the key for the Trojans this week, we're broadcasting their game against Holly. They can't suffer a letdown, you know, because Holly's a team that got shut out by uh, Swartz Creek last week, and they're coming to Owasso to play at Wilman Field. I mean, the Trojans could be feeling pretty good about themselves if they can pick up a W and go to 2-0. and That's kind of unheard of. Their season is made, though. That's kind of a thing. Yeah. They could go 1-8, and eight in there, and it's still... It's still one hell of a year. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I, I do feel like, obviously, you do want to continue build on this success, but I do feel like it's, it's maybe like back in the day when, when Michigan State was a little down. If they could pull off a victory against Michigan, the rest of the season almost didn't matter. Well, I mean, how would you like to get that monkey off your back? You know how much pressure there was on the kids? I mean, that's – it was – you know, even being a Corona guy, Corona graduate, it – 
like we said, Matt, you know, to have a rivalry, the other team does have to win once in a while. Yeah, and I mean, speaking of rivalries, we, we brought up Michigan-Ohio State, Michigan-Michigan State. College football's back this Saturday, guys. Oh, I can't wait. And how about the slate we have? Friday night, Michigan State, Utah. Utah State or is it just Utah? Utah State. Okay. Then we got Saturday night, Michigan Notre Dame. Sunday night, Miami, LSU. Monday night, Virginia Tech, Florida State. Maybe over the weekend, right? Well, I know what I'm doing all four nights. Watching football. Absolutely. It's a great schedule. Yeah, and you left off one of the other big ones. Uh, Auburn and Washington are playing. So, I mean, that's that's a game that has national championship implications, too. So, there, mm-hmm. there's an, it's an awesome slate this weekend. Obviously, the best one is Michigan-Notre Dame. <laughs> I think so. How do you guys see that game breaking down? I was just going to say, I, I was talking to, I mean, we, we, uh, we're we going to have John Hayes on at, in a little bit. He's a radio producer for the Paul Feinbaum Show, the TV producer for the Paul Feinbaum Show. He's a Notre Dame guy. So I've been talking to him for the last, I don't know, two or three weeks almost every day about this game, and we're both convinced. He, he is pulling for Notre Dame, obviously. I'm pulling for Michigan. I think it's going to come down to both defenses because Notre Dame's defense is legit, but Michigan's might be, if it's not the best in the country, it's the second best in the country behind Clemson. So I really think it's going to come down to what defense maybe is on the field last and maybe can make that last big stop or the last big turnover. Any concerns over their wide receivers on the offensive side of the ball? I know they lost uh, one of their studs. Dariq Black. Yeah. You know what's so sad about that? Bob Bojanowski, I love his Twitter account. Great. He used to have a photo, his like, Twitter profile picture. He's like, him eating a hot dog. He used to love that funniest thing in the world. Well, <laughs> he, he tweeted out this right after Dariq Black was, uh, we found out that he was out for the year. A quote from Dariq Black that said, like, I can't wait. I'm telling you, I can't wait. Like, it's going to be incredible when I get back on the field. I hear a quote like that, and immediately my, my brain thinks, forever I will think that we just missed out on All-Americans. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what all the hype was. I mean, he's coming in uh, last year. He, he was potentially going to be the best receiver on the team, and he got hurt. And then this offseason, apparently he was killing it. He was, you know, performing awesome at camp, and he hurts his other foot. The thing to me, though, is the potential was there. He was going to be the big, the deep threat guy, everything like that. But he only played like a game and a half last year, so we don't really know what his contribution was going to be. So to me, like everyone was starting to be like, Michigan's offense is going to explode. You know, nothing's going to – their skill players are bad. You know, just blowing it up, like like losing this guy was going to ruin the season. There's still a ton of talent on that team, and the receivers are going to be fine, I think. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that worried me a little bit, it happened so late, you know, heading into this first game. And I, I haven't been in Ann Arbor watching practices, but you got to believe that Patterson had uh, developed a pretty good relationship with him, you know, feeling confident, and now he has to look elsewhere. He's going to have to look elsewhere. Jared's guy, Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think he's going to have to step up. The biggest thing to me that I've just been saying for like the last two, basically since Harbaugh's been there, is you've got to use these tight ends. Michigan has had some talented tight ends, and they, again, this year have two or three very good tight ends. You have to use these guys. I, I really hope this year they finally start using these tight ends more. You know, we talked about the high school streaks that got broke last week. Um, here's a here's a stat that's right on the front page of the local sports page that I didn't really know in a lot of research, but Michigan is 0 for their last 16 on the road against ranked teams. Yeah, the last one was against Notre Dame. So yeah. uh, it's been a while, and again, this is something that uh, people at work bring up when they, when they rip on Michigan, and that... <laughs> I said it today. That's a legitimate stat. Like you, you can't just like scoff at that. You can't say that doesn't mean anything. My my response is always to that. That streak went through the Richard era and then the Brady Hoke era, and it has been hard all the last few years. So that's what I mean. It's a legitimate stat. But that that went through probably two of the worst coaching tenures in, in Michigan history, maybe. Yeah, fair statement there. Well, looking looking, you know, at uh, big time college football and the potential for the playoffs. You know, I went on record on my radio show last Friday night, Michigan. I'm I'm looking at a, a one loss season and and an appearance in the Final Four. How about you guys? Uh, guys, I got bad news. <laughs> I placed the bet on a team that I have not proudly placed the bet on. Michigan State to win the conference at eight to one odds. I, I couldn't believe it that I actually pulled the trigger and did it, but I honestly think they are getting so underwritten. And as, I, it's just like any me to say this, but people are giving them no credit, and I honestly think that they're going to surprise everyone. They bring back everyone. Everyone. Yeah, I mean, they bring back 10, 10 starters on defense, and their defense was, I think it was like number seven in the country. So, you know, people, all the talk is Michigan's defense, and, and rightfully so. But Michigan State's defense is right there, and they bring back uh, nine starters on offense, too, including, you know, a star running back and a star quarterback. So, and they're three starting receivers. So, yeah, it, it is one of those things. 
it, it's almost annoying as a Michigan fan because Michigan State fans always talk about, you know, no respect. We don't get any respect, and we always have a chip on our shoulder. But to Jared's point, I mean, they aren't getting really any talk, and I, I, I don't see it. I don't think they have, like, top-level talent. But we, we know where this is going. We see the, yeah. the storyline getting made. You just painted it. You yep. know that they're going to be Michigan. You just, you, I can see it. It's just, you know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, and I hate it because Michigan, you have to start beating Michigan State. We need to stop giving them ammunition. I tell you what, that's what it is. But it's yeah, inter- and they're, they're probably a team, especially Mark D'Antonio. He probably loves this. He loves seeing all these experts, all these quote unquote no, experts, no, no. picking Michigan State or picking Michigan, picking Ohio State, picking even Penn State. No one is picking Michigan State. Antonio's probably eating this up. Oh, it's right in his sweet spot. I mean, he's he's loving it. There's no doubt about it. And uh, you know, fair fair points by Jared. And we know where his heart is now. It's where the money's at. He's looking to make some bucks, right? Well, that, that's what I was going to ask, Jared. So did you make that pick? So th- there's different ways to make picks. Did you make it just thinking that <laughs> that's the biggest way, that's the biggest payout? Or do you actually think that's going to happen? I don't think, but this is the way I look. I kind of looked at it as a win-win. If they don't win the Big Ten, then I'm, I'm ecstatic. They didn't win the Big Ten. If they do win the Big Ten, I make some money. Yeah. kind of how yeah. I look at it. That's that's actually pretty smart. Michigan State, I mean, Michigan's getting a lot of talk. I think we all just we cannot wait to see them play Notre Dame. Like that's really we're gonna we're, we're gonna get a sense of what this team is really about. Jay Patterson, I could see a storyline where he comes out and just lights up the field, but I could also see a storyline where we're, we're losing by twenty. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, getting absolutely trounced at Notre Dame. That's possible. And I mean, the other thing that that people have talked about, but um, we haven't really brought up right now. Is the schedule. Michigan's schedule is brutal. I've said it before. There's no excuses. They need to start winning these games. But Michigan State actually has a fairly easy schedule. Their, their toughest non-conference game is Arizona State. So, I mean, that, that should definitely be a W. They get Michigan and Ohio State at home. So their toughest road game is Penn State. So they, they really have a schedule that sets up to make you some money, Jared. And they don't play Wisconsin this year, do they? No. Wisconsin nope. never plays this one. They haven't made. They do. But... Well, I mean, Michigan, they always have to play Michigan. They usually play uh, Ohio State or Penn State. Right. No, their, their side of the Big Ten is weaker. Who do you have in there in your uh, – I love I love uh, Ted's term where he says, look into your crystal ball. I'm going to start using that from now on. <laughs> Who do you have in your uh, final four? You know, I, I hate it because, I, you know, when I see like Desmond Howard making the home in the national championship, it's like, ah, oh, man, that's such a homer pick. I honestly I, – I do think Michigan has a team this year – uh, to win the Big Ten, to at least make the Big Ten championship. Um, and then, you know, whatever's going to happen there in Indianapolis. But I think that defense in Harbaugh finally has a, a good quarterback with Patterson. So I, I am picking Michigan. Yeah, I'm going to go Michigan in the Final Four. And I, if they make it to the Big Ten championship game, they're winning that game. That's what I feel. I think Michigan, Alabama, probably Clemson. And I'm not sure yet on the fourth team where that'll come out of. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough because, you know, is a conference going to get two teams in? Is the Big 12 or the Pac-12 going to get a team? So well, that is tough. But, but I'm sure, I mean, Jared, you already brought up, uh, you threw some money down at Michigan State. Did you, what other bets did you take? Who did you pick to win the national championship? See, I was going to say, I was like, I don't know, I might just throw some money on Bama to win the national title. But like, their odds are so preposterous. They feel like it is the odds. Which I, yeah. I understand. I didn't take anyone to win the national championship yet. I, these are the picks. I, I'm kind of playing it week by week. Uh, as for like just my total season picks, I, I did take Eastern Michigan over five and a half wins. And that's okay. just because I have a buddy who's a manager there. I got some inside sports. They're looking good. <laughs> was, it, was this the year that Eastern Michigan possibly, was it their whole athletic program going to go away? The wrestling, uh, yeah. Unfortunately, the wrestling program was canceled. And uh, I think a few other sports as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought I saw that potentially the whole uh, athletic program was going to go away, but but they got enough funds around to keep football around, huh? Yeah, and then as for this weekend, I mean, I put I put a good amount. I'm not going to say how much money because, I mean, I'm a college kid. I'm not making bank. But I did put a lot of money on Michigan in my turn to beat Notre Dame. And I also threw a flyer. Uh, 15 bucks on Lee Corso to pick Michigan. <laughs> oh, man. How do you guys feel about the Lee Corso, the headgear thing? Do you think it's a little played out, or do you think it's still funny? I love it. I love every second of college game day. Yeah, I think as long as he stays on game day, they got to keep going with it. It's it, yeah, as it played out. I mean, he's corny, but he's part of it, you know. And they they got a pretty good crew there, and I hate seeing the old fellas kind of weeded out. So I'm glad he's there. But I, I'll tell you, the guy that, that's on uh, college game day. You talked about Desmond Howard. I think uh, Kurt. 
Kirk Herbstreet, even though he's a Buckeye, I think he is about as good as it gets. He is. He really is. Now, you mentioned Lee Corso. Uh, How do you see your career kind of winding, winding down, Ted? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh you're, you're pushing me out the door, Jared? Oh, boy. I'm just, I'm just, how do you envision it? Do you see yourself maybe, you know, no one pictures himself becoming Lee Corso, but <laughs> it happens to people. Hey, will you do me a favor? If I, if I do become that, will you at least, you know, nudge me out or say something to me? Am I there yet? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're too. No, you you earned it. You take as much time as you want. I will not do that. Here, I I do have kind of an exit strategy in, in mind. You want me to share it with you guys? As far as, as far as play by play goes, I'll probably eventually give up basketball, but keep doing football as long as I long as I feel good at it and can still get up in the press box. I love doing Friday nights under the lights, man. There's just nothing like it. Oh heck yes, especially when you get that that top-notch media treatment that the schools around Michigan give you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And plus, you know, when I get get officially to retirement age, I'm probably going to go somewhere warm for a couple months. You know what I mean? That's right in the heart of basketball season. Oh, you're going to become a snowbird is what you're saying. That's right. That's the plan. (laughs) Well, I know one thing for sure, boys. We're all looking forward to college football in this upcoming weekend for sure. Well, one thing real quick before we tie off football, uh, the Lions. (laughs) Are you guys even excited for the Lions or are you going to watch this last preseason game? Yeah, I'll watch it. I, I, I'm not overly excited for them from what I've seen so far, but it is uh, it is just exhibition, and I don't put a lot of stock into it. I think they'll be competitive. Will they be a playoff team? They're going to be on the bubble. You know, I'm thinking nine and seven, ten and six, no better. Pro- could be worse, but we'll see yeah. what the first year head coach and Patricia can do. But I mean, they got some skilled players. So, am I excited? Not yet, because right now I'm excited for college football. Do you guys get the feeling that the Detroit Lions fan base is kind of already turning off the characters? I kind of feel, I kind of get that vibe. Do you? I, I think so, too. Especially, I mean, it's never good to gauge anything off of the Twitter world. But going off of responses and what people are saying on Twitter, it does seem like people are already turning on Patricia. And all I keep saying when I reply to people is, if there's one fan base in all of football, in all of sports, that should not take ex- exhibition games seriously, it should be the Detroit Lions. Considering we won the preseason Super Bowl, we went four and zero the year that we went zero and sixteen in the regular season. So there's any yeah, very base, true. If there's any fan base, yeah, that should not take preseason football that seriously. It should be the Detroit Lions. Absolutely right. I mean, to get all worked up about preseason is ridiculous. But uh, I get that. But you can't have the narrative start again. You go win one game. You can't have a bad narrative going into the season. I don't think. I think that could be toxic to your team. Oh, you think the the narrative by people on Twitter? Or what, what, what do you mean? I just think because you could lose the fan base and just people could turn on the team and just negative, put negative energy into the air. I, I believe that it, it has negative effect. Let's, let's be fair, though. This is a Detroit Lions fan base. I don't think I don't think there's any more negativity that we can embrace. That's very true. <laughs> oh, I I will tell you this much: Ford Field will be rocking opening night because it's a Monday night game. They're going to be going crazy, and you know they won't turn on them until after that game. Yeah, exactly. Rivals Tap House and Grill is having a beer dinner celebration. Featured beers will include Sam Adams Lager, Cherry Wheat, Sam 76, Oktoberfest, Angry Orchard, and New England IPA. Food items will include bacon cherry vinaigrette salad, pork taco knockworks, Perch and Michigan Cherry Cheesecake sounds pretty good to me. Thursday, September 13th at 6 p.m. Cost only $30 a ticket, and it will be limited to the first 40 tickets sold. Stop in this weekend for the kickoff of the college football season with MSU playing Utah State Friday night and Michigan Notre Dame on Saturday night. That's rivals at the corner of State and M21 in Corona. All right, guys. Well, you heard uh, you heard our takes on on what we expect out of Michigan and Michigan State this year and college football altogether. But let's talk to someone who doesn't necessarily believe the maize and blue. Uh, I work with him at the SEC Network. He's a radio producer for the Paul Feinbaum Show. He also has his own radio show on 7:30, the game down here in Charlotte, Football Sunday. John Hayes, how you doing, John? Hey, Bernsey, what's up, man? Thanks for having me on the pod. It's great to be yeah. here. Yeah, and I don't you taking the time. Of course, man. I do believe uh, blue and white. I'm, I'm a Nittany Lion. I'm a, I'm a Penn State grad. I've been down here in SEC country for, for the last five years or so. It's been fun. So uh, the 
one thing I'm waiting for this weekend is uh, Penn State App State, barn burner. Not as good as Michigan Notre Dame to start the season. I was going to say, you know, I, I said doesn't bleed made blue, but you are a Penn State alum, so you, you have that uh, that Big Ten pedigree behind you. Can you finally admit that you're now not working on the Paul Feinbaum show right now? Is the Big Ten better than the SEC? Good question. Uh, no, okay. Here's, no, the answer is no. And I'll, I'll say it this way. I, I think across the Power Five that the cream of the crop in any Power Five league is as good as any other conference. You know, you're talking about Alabama, Auburn, Georgia in the SEC. You're talking about Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Michigan State in the Big Ten. Uh, in the Pac-12, you're talking about Washington, USC, Stanford, Texas and Oklahoma and the Big 12. And the ACC, you've got Clemson, you've got Miami, who is more of a recent uh, story, Miami is. But my point being is that you can go to any Power 5 league and find really good teams. It's just what I think makes the SEC better is that when you get down to the 7th or the 8th or the ninth team, I think those programs have just a little bit more talent based on the, the recruiting base, based on how, how many more players come out of the, the Southeast. And, and so I will, I will rank the Big Ten a clear number two, though, on the list if I had to do a, a conference power ranking. So here's a question out of Canada. So you were mentioning the overall ranking in regards to how the teams play in the field. But both these guys, I'm going to the Notre Dame Michigan State weekend. And as we know, you're right to Penn State, and you now work in the SEC network. In your experience, what places had the best like tailgating, like atmosphere? Absolutely. So, okay, here my 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 Big Ten background. You know, people on the show call me Big Ten John, which I find to be hilarious, just because I just because I went to Penn State. I'm from Philadelphia, and you know Philadelphia is not Big Ten country. Uh, it just happens to be in a Big Ten state. You know, the Pennsylvania State University is our state school, so I ended up going there to college. But the only other campuses that I've been on, um, I've been to Ohio State for a game. It happened to be one of the worst losses in Penn State history. That was back in in 2013. That was that was a brutal game. Uh, unbelievable. But uh, that atmosphere was awesome. But the only other Big Ten campuses I've been to are Rutgers and Maryland. And I didn't go to a game at either places. So like, I'm not as uh, – I haven't been to the Big House. I haven't been to East Lansing. I haven't been to Wisconsin. Got to get to Madison. But, you know, Penn State and, and Ohio State are incredible. And those two stack up against your Alabamas. They stack up against your your uh, Louisiana State, LSUs, your Auburns. I've been to most every uh, SEC campus and been to a game at about half of uh, the schools, William Bryce in, in Columbia, South Carolina. You know, there's a, there's, there's a real difference between a big-time college football stadium and just your your run of the mill average place to go watch a game. You know, I think you guys can relate in Big Ten country. I think one of the more calm and and more relaxed settings I've ever watched a college football game was a Boston College game. I watched uh, BC host Miami up in Boston, and I, and I think that's comparable to what you might get at Purdue or what you might get at Northwestern or what you might get at Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, when, when you're talking about blue blood programs. Cream with the crop, brand name programs, the game day atmospheres are going to be great wherever you go. When, when were you at Penn State, John? Were you there and out of there by the time the Sandusky paternal scandal hit? Yeah, luckily I got out of there uh, in 2010, so the year uh, before the scandal hit. So it was nice to be off campus, and and that whole situation was was heartbreaking for me to say the least. As just you know, as a Penn State guy, mm-hmm. uh, and being such a recent graduate and senior school, uh, kind of be put in the limelight for for an awful reason, and and have the death penalty be considered against your program, have the NCAA come out and and really level what many people thought was, you know, program-ending sort of sanctions. You know, this this program would take 10 years to come back. So uh, it, it was brutal, and, you know, I still thank Bill O'Brien for, for taking that job and, and holding that program up, Christian Hackenberg as well. Um, you know, the whole, the whole team really 
uh, didn't give up on the program. And, and those guys and that, that, that team in, in 2012 and, and 2013, they, they don't get enough credit um, for really keeping that program alive. And then and Bill O'Brien gets an NFL head coaching job out of it. So yeah. more power to the guy. James Franklin steps in. So it feels like as of today that even though it was only seven, less than seven years ago, you know, it's it, it feels like it's a new era of Penn State football, which is nice. Now you have fu- a chance to watch the uh, Paterno HBO uh, Al Pacino. What Al Pacino started on HBO? Did you, have a chance you know what? I didn't watch it. I was interested in it, but I was going. I, I made sure that I asked other people what they thought about it before I spent time watching it, and it didn't get great reviews. I heard that it didn't really tell both sides of the story. Not that that's what I was looking for. And I'm a, trust me, I'm a, I'm a Pacino guy. Who doesn't who doesn't like Al Pacino? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Uh, yeah. Any given Sunday is one of the best football movies of all time, and he plays an yeah. incredible head coach. But that's how, kind of how I wanted to remember Pacino playing a football coach, not him playing old senile Joe Paterno, who doesn't know what's going on in his football program. Uh, so no, I didn't get a chance chance to watch. You didn't miss anything. Let me just so you didn't miss anything. Do not watch it. Okay, good to know. And, and that was the vibe that I got from most people that I talked with. So I just said, you know what? I, I've got one rule in life, and it's it's always take good advice. So say, hey, don't watch yep. it, okay? Well, I had to ask you. I mean, we, we'll move away from the Penn State scandal a little bit and talk actual college football. Uh, you know, Kirk Herbstreit was on the Feinbaum show today, and he picked Penn State to be in his Final Four. Ooh. And a bunch of other people picked Michigan. Obviously, Ohio State is in there. Do you think that there's a team from the Big Ten who can actually win the national championship this year, beat Alabama or Georgia or, or any of the other teams that make it? Yeah, I certainly do. Absolutely. Um, uh, and Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State, uh, and Wisconsin are on the short list. I think those four teams on any given Saturday could beat anybody in the SEC. Um, you take Alabama and, and you make them play in the big house or you, you put them out there in Madison um, or bring them to Happy Valley this year, I think it's a really tough football game. And the reason being is, is I, I, I think Alabama is, of course, as talented as they, they've always been. And so is Clemson, don't get me wrong. But it's really hard um, to fight complacency within college football programs. There's a lot of young kids on both rosters that really still need to go out there and, and prove that they want to accomplish something. And I feel like the hunger is, in, is there in the Big Ten. I, I, I feel like... You know, Ohio State's performances in the playoff uh, recently just did not put the conference um, in a good light. Uh, I think that you know Penn State was able to get in a couple years ago when they won the Big Ten championship, and and Saquon Barkley could have could have been put on display in the playoff. Maybe the conference would have would have looked differently. Then you've got, of course, Michigan State who just got absolutely trounced uh, by Alabama. I believe was that. Uh, in the second year of the playoff, yeah, yeah, because yep. yeah, they played Ohio, Alabama lost to Ohio State in the in the first year of the playoff in fourteen, and then Michigan State lays an egg against yeah. Alabama that year too. I don't see Michigan State as a as a as a national champion contender at all. You know, I, I saw them come in at eleven on the preseason AP poll, and you know, I, while they've got a lot of guys coming back, I, I just don't think it's a national championship team. Is it a team that can that can win? Um, any of those games against Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State, absolutely. If they catch them at home at the right time, I think those are those are winnable games. But if you ask me, it's going to be Ohio State, Penn State, or Wisconsin that has the best national championship odds. And I just need to see something out of Michigan. I think the next step for Michigan would be a solid. Uh, ten and two season, um, a solid nine and, and three season, and then next year maybe have national championship hopes at Michigan. But who knows? You know how college football is. Yeah, that's um, where... all of a sudden. Shea Patterson, he gets on a roll. Harbaugh's got his quarterback, and things could change in the blink of an eye, especially if things go the right way on Saturday versus Notre Dame. Yeah, I think if they get by that game and the talent level they have, I think Michigan is the team in the Big Ten to beat, especially with Ohio State having their issues with Urban. Meyer. I know Jared talked about it on this podcast before. We're kind of glad that he didn't get axed because we want to beat his ass. That's what we want to do. <laughs> Respect. That's right. You know, and, and you know what's nice about the the Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State kind of uh, threesome there in the Big Ten East? What's nice about it is that the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry is so nasty that 
as a Penn State guy, we can kind of just like sit on the sidelines <laughs> and year by year kind of pick who we want to win that game. And this year, there's there's no doubt it's, it's I'm a Michigan fan through and through in that football game. <laughs> Would love to see Urban finally uh, go down. So that that way, this this and we all know that Jim Harbaugh is a good football coach, right? Right. But the national and the tired narrative is that he can't win a big game. He can't beat his rivals, 0 and 4, whatever the number is against Michigan State and and against Ohio State. But we know those games were close. It would just be nice to see Harbaugh get a get a win under his belt and have those those national haters just kind of go away. Well, speaking of losing those big games, I know you're you're a Penn State guy, but you follow college football the whole picture, the big picture. What, yep. what do you think has been missing from Harbaugh? Uh, is it just the quarterback? Because he's had the defenses. What do you think has been miss- missing in Michigan uh, since Harbaugh's been there? You know what? Uh, honestly, like I don't think there's been a, a, a ton of glaring holes where I look at the program and I say, mm, man, things aren't going right there. Uh, there's no talent. The recruiting base is no. He's done everything right with, with that program except for those marquee victories, uh, maybe an appearance uh, in the Big Ten championship game. You know, going into last season with Michigan, I mean, it was a – it was kind of a stepping stone season from Harbaugh. My expectations for Michigan was, you know, have a solid year, go to a bowl game, can't argue with the Outback Bowl, be nice to beat Ohio State. It didn't happen. Oh, well. You know, because when, when you look at Jim Harbaugh and, and the amount of money and the, and the amount of PR and just the amount of effort that, that the school and the program has really put forth in making sure that the, the country knows Michigan uh, and Jim Harbaugh, Harbaugh's our guy. Uh, he's a Michigan man, and we're going to keep him around here for a long haul. I, I don't see any glaring holes. The recruiting's been good, and you know, it's easy to point out the, the the quarterback position. But frankly, guys, I liked Wilton Spade. I thought he was a, a decent quarterback who 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 really knew how to run what Harbaugh wanted him to do. Yeah, he made some errant throws, and but should have won that game against. Uh, Ohio State in the big house uh, a couple years ago. So I, I, I liked him, and, and we'll see what Shake can do. But from a national perspective, Michigan is trending in the right direction. Um, they're trending in a really strong direction. And so it's so easy in Burns, you know, on fine about how much we talk about coaches' hot seat, and we talk about guys who aren't getting the job done and might get replaced. For some reason, I've always looked at Jim Harbaugh as kind of an outlier where he's not going on the hot seat because this is a really long-term plan for Michigan. If the guy doesn't want to go back to the NFL, heck, he could be there for 15, 20 years if he wanted to. And out of those 20 years, you have great season. You have a great season 10 to to 14 times or 10 to 12 times, and you're looking at maybe a Hall of Fame college coaching career, which he's also – what he's done at Stanford has put him in position to do that. Well, take a look in your crystal ball. John, and uh, why don't you give us, as of today, as we head into the college football season, who's going to be the final four? It's a good question. Um, It's tough. I'll start with with a team that you guys probably won't expect me to say. I've got Stanford in the, the college football playoff. And the, and the reason being in, is because every year there's been somebody outside the AP top 10 who's gotten into the playoff. So I'm looking at that 10 to 20 uh, ranking area. I'm trying to pick somebody for fun. Okay, mm-hmm. that's what this is. I, I've always said, like, as far as college football predictions are concerned, like, if you're afraid to be wrong and just pick chalk, like, it, don't worry about it. Like, you're going to be wrong regardless. That's how the sport works. Like, it's impossible to, to be right all the time. So I was just looking through for a team that's ranked uh, 11 or worse. And, you know, Stanford, I really, really like Bryce Love. I really like David Shaw. It's a transition year for USC, for UCLA. And if Stanford can beat Washington um, and, and make their way into the, the Pac-12 championship game with one or two losses, they've got an outside chance. So uh, I like Stanford. And, and the reason why as well is because I don't think the Big 12 gets a team. So my choices were take two teams from – one conference or leave the Big 12 and the Pac-12 totally out, which I don't think happens. I think Stanford gets in there. Um, I do like Alabama out of the SEC. I like Clemson out of the ACC. Those two are pretty easy. Um, and out of the Big 10, um, I, I I feel like and my gut told me that Ohio State was, was going to, to go to the playoff this year. I thought about um, – the Urban Meyer situation really hampering that squad and it being, you know, keeping them out of the playoffs. But I do still believe that that that, that team is is so talented enough to 
to, to finish the season with one loss. And if that team finishes the season with one loss, even if it keeps them out of the Big Ten championship game, if that one loss is, is week three versus TCU without Urban Meyer and they run the table, I just find a, I, I really find a hard time, I have a hard time finding two or, or, or three guaranteed losses on, on that schedule. So I like Ohio State. So it's Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and Stanford as, as my wild card. I, for the record, do I expect them to be in there, Stanford? No. But who knows? <laughs> Just but like March knows? Madness. They, they, I think they've got a, a good chance to make a run. Despite how, uh, and you mentioned it, it's a, it's a bit absurd to put Stanford in there. But I can't believe you <laughs> because you did pick the uh, NCAA tournament championship perfect at Villanova over Michigan. So maybe you can do that we appreciate you bringing that up because that prediction was a diamond in the rough of poor predictions that I've made. So I made sure to let people know, holy crap, I actually got one right. I, that, that was a uh, – and, and by the way, I'm a little bit of a homerism there. My family's a big Villanova family. I'm from Philadelphia. My parents went there. My, my Everybody on my dad's side of the family. But I did have Michigan in there. Good squad. It was a great pick. And, I mean, you got to always say yourself in the back when you pick a thing like this. So let me – so I saw that you tweeted that you went to, went to Margate with Square. Sports uh, betting is legal. It's kind of like the holy grail, the place that I would love to be. Can you kind of just walk me through what that was like, placing illegal sports bets? <laughs> you know what? I'd be happy to. Uh, because it was kind of like a bucket list thing for me to do. Um, so, Margate City, New Jersey is about an hour from Philadelphia. Everybody um, from Philly in the summertime goes down to the, the Jersey Shore south of Atlantic City. And Margate's right there next to Atlantic City, five minutes away. So my whole life I've been going to the casino um, for, to go to dinner, to maybe play some craps or, you know, get some blackjack in or go to, go to a nightclub or go see a show. But like, the one thing that was always missing from Atlantic City was going to a sports book and placing a futures wager or hanging out with the guys on a Sunday in the, in the sports book and uh, throwing some bets down, having some drinks, having a good time. And I, and I always said that that's really one thing that's holding the city back. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily like a legal uh, wagering advocate, but I've been more of an Atlantic City advocate. And knowing that they were kind of playing with a stacked deck in, 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 as far as Las Vegas is concerned, like, I was like, why, well, you know, Vegas is thriving, and Atlantic City is just dying, and, and, and it's because they can't, and they're not, they're not the only reason, but it's like, well, why can't Atlantic City try to do everything that Las Vegas is doing? So this is just something that I really thought would help bring the city back. So I went to, I went to the Ocean Club Resort, and I walked into the William Hill Sportsbook, and it was just like I was a kid in a candy store, man. <laughs> it was it was awesome. I was like, I was like, give me an NFL future, give me a college football future, give me a uh, English Premier League soccer future. I called my friends. I was like, I'm here. What do you want? I'm going to the window. <laughs> so I spent like two hundred dollars at uh, at the uh, at the sports book uh, betting on futures. You know, picking the Eagles win the Super Bowl, p- picking uh, the Tottenham Hotspur to win the English Premier League, um, Tiger Woods to win the PGA Championship. She actually came pretty close. Yeah. Uh, that, that would have been a nice payout. But it was more like a lot of these these wagers weren't necessarily, hey, I'm going to pick some things. It was it was more of like a, a celebratory, I'm going to put some cash downs on the teams that I like, and for the first time ever going to have legal wagering future tickets. So, man, I would, I would advocate you guys getting to Atlantic City when you can or going down to Vegas. And any time it becomes kind of normalized um, in Michigan, just get in. It's good. You guys know. I mean, I, I not okay. So that that was a, a cool experience. In February, I was in Wembley Stadium in London, and I had the same experience except for it was literally in the stadium. William Hill, when I like in the concourse, awesome. I had a setup like um, it was like where you could go get your beer or go get your snacks. Like you just went up to the window, and I was like, "Oh, the game starts in ten minutes. Uh, give me a ticket um, on this side." And you could do it right in the stadium. So, I mean, you think it, you know, it's brand new here in the States, but over in Europe, it's, it's, a, it's an economy. It's, it's regulated. Um, people don't throw games, don't throw matches, and, and they're doing it right, and, and we're finally catching mm-hmm. up. Uh, I was just going to say, I think we need to stop talking about that. We're probably turning Jared on too much. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> no 
know you are. Well, yeah, well, maybe, John, we'll get you out on this. We've already taken up a bunch of your time. But uh, you brought up Tiger Woods at the PGA Championship, and I know how much you guys talk about golf and walk off while, uh, while working on the golf time bomb show. So he got real close, like you said. He got real close to winning that tournament, um, as close as probably a lot of people ever thought he would again. Do you think that Tiger Woods will ever win another major? I, he's never going to be what he used to be. But can you see him getting back to winning another major or two? Yeah, absolutely. My take for a while has been that um, the British Open, the Open Championship, would actually be the place that, that he wins, similar to, to how Phil won late in his career, similar to how Darren Clark won late in his career, Tom Watson as well, um, and Stuart Sink in that legendary uh, battle at, at the Open Championship. If you keep your eye on an Open Championship leaderboard, there's a lot of older guys up near the top, and the reason being is you don't have to hit driver on those golf courses. You just don't need it. And the older that you get, it's, it's, a, it's a fact in the game of golf that one of the first clubs that you lose is your driver. And that's happening in Tiger Woods' game. You saw it at the PGA Championship. He had the eagle. Um, I think it was number 17, or there was a par five on the last three holes. Um, and he needed to eagle it. And he whipped out the driver, and he just just flailed it way right. And it was like, all right, championship's over. You don't have to do that at the British Open. So I, I, I do think that he's going to win the Open Championship and, and hoist the Claret Jug, one of the best trophies in all of sports. <laughs> I, got, I have one more golf-related question for you, John. Speaking of Tiger, you know, the big story this last week or so was their matchup they're going to have Thanksgiving weekend, Tiger against Phil Mickelson. You know, I kind of was kind of liking the sound of it till I heard pay-per-view. Do you think that's going to take off, especially on Thanksgiving weekend with all the college football going around? I, I don't think so. I, I just think the, the timing is poor. Like, they picked a good day because people are off of work. By late November, golf season just a total afterthought. But, but, but maybe that's the reason why people will be interested in it, because it's like, oh, we've got the Ryder Cup coming up in September. But then after that, golf goes on hiatus until, you know, the, 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 the Tournament of Champions in Hawaii in January. So it's just like a weird spot for people to care about golf. I don't think it's, it's going to do very well. Um, I, I think that there's going to be a lot of action. Uh, speaking of Vegas and gambling, right, I think people right. are going to pick a side there and um, bet heavily on, on the match. But as, pay, as far as pay, are you going to pay? Ten, are you going to pay ten, twenty-five? I, I'm not. They, did they announce the price? I haven't heard it yet, but it just just the words pay-per-view turned me off. I'd watch it if it was free or ca on cable, you know. Yeah, the paper. What is this? A boxing match? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I heard, I heard, you know, like we're not going to see any blood. No one's going to throw a haymaker. You know, there, there's not going to be any women uh, prancing around between rounds. You know, it would be nice to see a whole number three, and here comes, you know, this babe in a bikini walking across the third tee box. <laughs> now, that's an uh, idea. That would be nice. I do, uh, I do wonder. I was thinking with the pay-per-view thing, too. Like, it, it almost completely turned me off. But I do wonder if because it is kind of like a gambling match, you know, it's Tiger and Phil placing a wager on their match. I wonder if, like, TNT, you know, and Fox CBS – they stayed away from it because of that. Hmm. Possibly, yeah. That would that would make perfect sense because a lot of these big time networks, they're just there's still this gray area with with the, the sports wagering, so they're just kind of waiting to see what anybody else does with it. Um, but I guess we'll find out in the next couple of years. But I, honestly, though, guys, like if I'm not thrilled with a college football slate and it costs ten bucks, I'll buy it for ten dollars. Fair enough. Well, like Matt said, I think we've taken enough of your time, John. You have some good stuff here. Hopefully we can uh, touch bases again down the road. Yeah, yeah, I would love to. Um, lo love being on the on the pod. Uh, Bernsey's the man. Thanks thanks for all your work on the Fine Bomb Show. Always, anytime, anytime you guys need someone to come on and give some, some hot takes, I'm ready. Awesome. <laughs> Tell our listeners uh, where they can find you. Oh, yeah, thanks. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at John Hayes 730 um, that's that's where you can find me on social. Uh, I'll, I'll tweet out the link to my Sunday show. If you're if you're looking for quick reaction to a Saturday, uh, a exciting Saturday of college football, that's why I wanted to get this local show started in Charlotte. Seven thirty, the game has been nice enough to to give me a nice two hour window. Nice uh, from eleven a.m. to to one o'clock in the afternoon on Sundays. And it's just rapid reaction to the weekend. And we, we pick some NFL games as well against the spread. And there's one rule of football Sunday, and I think you, might, you guys might like this. 
it's all about the home dogs. Identify the home dogs. If you're catching points at home and the crowd's into the game, there's a good chance they're going to cover. Good tip. It is. I right. like that. I was going to say, take a note, <laughs> Jerry. All right, John. Thanks a lot, man. You got it, Rosie. Talk to you guys soon. Nice to meet you guys. See you, John. Next up, let's see what's going on again with our pod's oldest athletic supporter, Jack Strap. Hi, Daddy. Hey, hey, it's Jake. How you doing, Jake? Pretty good. My dad's going to be to the phone in a minute, but I like to talk to you when I I really like the podcast, what you guys are doing. Um, And, you know, I'd like to invite you guys to watch Michigan-Notre Dame contest over here in my dad's basement. Uh, Before the game, we can go hunt rabbit and squirrel. And I'd also like to show Jared. I don't know if he's there, but I want to show him my bobblehead collection, like I said in the past. And uh, I already have my Jim Harbaugh bobblehead out on my TV next to Lou Holtz getting ready for the game. But uh, I'm all fired up. Hey, Dad, give me that food. Dad, what do you? Yeah, give me that thing. <laughs> hey, Fred. Hey. Gary, how you doing tonight? Good, Jack. Good, Jack. Uh, Jake invited us over. We'll have to check our schedules. I'll tell you right now, him and his bobblehead, I think we bobbled his head as an infant. What do you think? <laughs> probably right. Yeah, it probably happened to me when I was a kid, too, I guess. But, uh, hey, listen, guys, I want to share a couple of random sports thoughts before my big prediction for Michigan Notre Dame. First of all, women's tennis pro Serena Williams will no longer be allowed to wear her skin-tight black cat suit at the French Open. I guess uh, she says her outfit makes her feel like a superhero. Well, anyway, according to the French Federation President Bob Gucciani, he said, and I quote, I think sometimes we've gone too far. Well, in my opinion, Gucciani, that's ridiculous. That's a pompous attitude. Do all tennis fans, Ted, act like Gilligan's Island's rich couple of Thurston Howell III and Lovey? And as they say, any press is good press, unless, of course, your name is Donald Trump, where it's all bad. But I digress. I think it's good for the sport. Don't you think? How about them girls dressed up in whatever they want to wear? Certain events, they're allowed to do that anyway. I think there might be uh, a little prejudiced uh, take on it a little bit for Serena, because I've seen even riskier outfits, if you know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. And let's face it, guys, interesting characters, no matter what walk of life, whether it's sports or business or whatever, they create buzz. And I say all of the non-sports teams, like tennis players, golf, track stars, should be able to dress as they like. They need some pizzazz. Who didn't like the outrageous golf attire worn by Rodney Dangerfield in Caddyshack? And golf has had others as well. One of my favorites, Lee Trevino, and uh, you guys know how much I love John Daly. I'd love to see Tiger Woods guys dressed up for a Sunday final round instead of wearing his Tiger Red. How about he's out there with a happy Gilmore Boston Bruins jersey? Now that's entertainment. And as the Joker said, why so serious? Anyway, hey, speaking of funny, as I watch the television and watch the Detroit Lions preseason games, I can't take my eyes off Matt Patricia. Now, here's a man who looks and acts like Skipper on Gilligan's Island. (laughs) I'll tell you, I may be wrong, fellas, but he looks like he's wearing red boxer shorts that haven't been washed in a week. And I'll bet he owns a 1970-era muscle car with Taco Bell wrappers, empty monster drink cans, dirty ball caps, empty beer bottles, and condom wrappers from the hookers he met last week in South Detroit. Nothing personal, South Detroit. And ATM withdrawal receipts scattered all over his car floor and seats. I can't help it. That's what I see. And I picture him right now in my head in his messy office eating a double waffle with cheese as he studies game film. And he fills his pie hole with a whole handful of fries, talking with his mouth full as he yells and spits at his special teams coach. Can a guy who looks this disheveled be organized enough to coach a professional sports franchise worth $1.75 billion? 
I guess we'll see what happens. You know what? If he wins, I'll get my son a bobblehead of Matt Patricia. What do you think of that? I think that's a deal right there. All right. And last but not least, as for the Michigan-Notre Dame game, you have an intense rivalry at Notre Dame Stadium, the house that Rodney built, and they're going to be hosting our Wolverines of Michigan in what should be a fantastic game. Oh, sure, Charlie Weiss might have beat Michigan the last time they played, but Harbaugh looks better in his khaki pants. But it'll be a Michigan defensive sack. Uh, Let's go ahead and jot this down. Of course, I guess we're on a podcast, so it's documented. It'll be in the fourth quarter, and it'll be a stop that decides this one. Go Charlton will sack Everett Golson on fourth down in Michigan territory to preserve a 28-24 victory for the Maize and Blue. And Michigan's going to get a great offensive performance from Mike Hart, Shea Peterson and Braylon Edwards. So we're getting ready to party at old Jack's house after we hunt some rabbit and squirrel, I guess. (laughs) Anyway, before I go, guys, my hat's off as we celebrate Labor Day for all the hard workers out there, especially all those automotive union guys that are my age, who I used to work with, who are the backbone of the workforce right here in Flint, Michigan, sending thousands and thousands of automobiles out of our factories, generating middle-class wages. Anyway, all the workers out there, uh, you know, congrats. Enjoy the weekend and time that. Enjoy that well time uh, deserved off or whatever. I can't talk, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Enjoy the time off. There you go. Exactly. All right, guys. Have a great one. See you later, Jack. Join Corona Public Schools winning team today. Find out why nearly 40% of their students make Corona their school of choice. Whether young or old, it's great to be gold. Check them out online at corona.k12.mi.us. The Corona Connection is a direct mail paper sent to all of Corona, Vernon, and Shiawassee County parts of Lennon. You can also pick up a copy of the latest edition at many Corona businesses and Kroger. Like them on Facebook, and you can view the entire Corona Connection paper online every month, both on Facebook and at coronaconnection.com. Well, guys, uh, wrapping up the show, let's just do our normal potpourri, if you will. Uh, I know we got a big upcoming weekend we'll talk about. I want to just r- recap last weekend a little bit. We missed Jared at a family function, a Fatel family function. We had a, a family reunion over in Lapeer. We had a birthday party for my Uncle Mike and my dad, Bud, both celebrating deep in their 80s birthdays. And we had a good turnout and had a great party, awful hot, but a lot of fun. We missed you, Jared. Yeah, and you told me before the show, uh, I'm a little bit upset. I missed Atlanta's famous corn casserole. That's the best. Yep, it went over pretty well. And uh, I tell you what, everybody that brought food, Matt, you've been in this situation before when you have family deals, when you have the potluck. I mean, our family knows how to do it. Oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. We have uh, this upcoming weekend, actually, we have a family reunion that we've been doing for uh, like 27 straight years, I think, similar to the one that you guys do when you go up north camping. Right. Um, but for us, it's this weekend. And I think that's the biggest deal is the food. Like, my mom has a couple things she brings. Some of my cousins or aunts have things that they bring. That's that's like what everyone looks forward to is the food. And, and you're bringing tater tots, I assume? <laughs> I should. That, that's the go-to. <laughs> it's funny. Like it, It's a joke, but people love tater tots. They do. I know. <laughs> well, yeah, what is the knock against Gator Tots? Why aren't they more, at least maybe, I would say I probably prefer French fries a little bit more, but Gator Tots should definitely be more pro- prevalent prevalent in, like, fast food restaurants, I think. I agree with you, Jared. I, I, I really don't know, because they're amazing. I don't know. I, whenever I brought the party, and then that's the first thing that's gone. You know, I'm always bummed whenever I do slide into Burger King, you know, and they have the Burger King Tots for breakfast, but they don't have them available after breakfast time. That's not right. <laughs> So what you're saying is we need to bring more tots. More tots, absolutely. Will tots be on the menu this weekend? I know, guys, we're, we're going to have our weekend plans primarily centered around football. What are what are your guys' plans? I know you got a reunion you talked about, Matt. How are you going to sneak in some football? Well, I'm actually not able to go to the reunion because I have to work. Uh, ah. This, I mean, college football coming back is like the craziest time for us here. So um, I wasn't able to get it switched, wasn't able to get the days off, you know, whatever. So I have to work. Uh, but I'll, I'll be definitely watching some football. I mean, I'm going to be getting paid to watch football, kind of like kind of like you guys are on Friday night. So what's your duties? What what games are you covering? Uh, I have a game Saturday morning, and I, to be honest with you, I'm not sure which game we have, but I'll be doing the 
I mean, I'll be producing the game and putting it on TV. I think uh, whatever game is on ESPN2 is the game that I'm going to be doing. Ah, awesome. How about you, Jared? Well, uh, on Thursday night, I'll actually be covering Fair State versus Edwardsburg. No, versus Edwardsburg. So that's, I'm looking forward to that. I'll be on the sidelines for that game. And then, I mean, we're going up to Notre Dame for the tailgate. So pretty much what food will look like is a hot dog there, some chips there. It's enough. It's going to be a long day. <laughs> Man, there's nothing like partying at a school, tailgating at a school like Notre Dame, Michigan, Michigan State. That is going to be a blast. Uh, have you figured out where you're watching the game? Somebody have a television they're going to put right there at the tailgate, or what are you going to do for the game itself? I'm guessing we'll probably go to a bar for the actual game. That makes sense. I am not entirely sure on that. The problem with our trip is that we're not sure how we're going to get home. <laughs> we're sitting with our uncle. We're sitting with our uncle. It's like, I think, 40, like 35, 40 minutes away. Yeah. And we're not exactly sure how. If we took an Uber, I don't know if an Uber would even go that far, one. And two, the cost would be astronomical for that trip. Now, nobody's volunteering to be the designated driver. Is that the problem? Yeah, we might. That's what we're trying to do. Who wants to be the designated driver? I mean, you might as well not go. Right. Well, you might have to You might have to up the ante a little bit, you know, and make it worth their while. We used to throw out sometimes when we would do stuff like that. Uh, we would say, whoever wants to DD, we'll pay for all your food and everything like that the whole day. So, you know, like when you go out to the bar to watch the game, you're going to eat or, you know, you're going to do some other stuff. So basically that person eats and has a couple of drinks for free the whole day because they're going to stay sober to drive home. So right. maybe you could throw something like that out. That's a good idea. I might have to throw it out there. But if I was the one that was dd for that, I would have run up the bill on that food. I'm getting an appetizer, yeah. I'm getting a meal, and I'm getting dessert. That's worth but it. I, that, that's part of it. That's part. Of, if you're going to DD, stay sober to drive all your, your drunk idiot friends home, especially after Michigan wins, you guys are going crazy and everything like that, then, yeah, he should be eating you know, some filet mignon, you know, get a bunch of appetizers, get some nice drinks, you know. Non-alcoholic drinks, of course, but guys, I've been having some negative. I've been having some negative thoughts about the game, though. I don't know why. Just once I played played some bets, I kind of saw how I see the day going. So the start off with my league going so bad. I just know he's going to pick Notre Dame just for the home crowd. So there's that. I feel like I'm already getting. It's going to be like bad juju in the air the rest of the day for me. And then I'm just really nervous about this Michigan. <laughs> I don't know. I just think it's going to be a night game. It's going to be a hell of an atmosphere. I'm praying that Jim Harbaugh is what we think he is. Well, you know, I always I always have that bad feeling, to be honest with you, in this kind of big game involving Michigan. I talk a big game about the Wolverines, but it, it really makes me nervous. It really does. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 can't, it can't not make you nervous when, you know, we talked about the record earlier about not winning a game for like 12 years on the road right. against a ranked opponent. So, yeah, I mean, this is, this is a big game, and I think it's, it is time for Harbaugh, like you said, to, to show like what kind of coach he is for Michigan because they've got to win this game. I think the defense is the biggest thing. I really think this defense will keep them in this game. It's just what is what is what is the offense going to do? Absolutely. Well, I know I got a big weekend of football myself. I have uh, Holly Atawaso game of the week on Z ninety two five on Thursday. Which, by the way, we're posting our local games on our podcast and uh, actually getting a lot of listeners to it. I like it. And then following up, obviously, I'm going to watch Michigan State and Utah State Friday night, Saturday night. We know what we're all doing. Sunday night, the big primetime game, and Monday night, it's it's going to be nonstop football. It's going to remind me of March Madness, man. Front of th- oh, have you kind of transitioned into the phase of your life where you're like, I don't want to go to a bar. Like, I don't want to. I just want to be in my house watching it on my TV. Like, oh, I've I've been transitioned into that for a long time, Jared. I, my wife, you know, Aunt Lana, she's a humongous football fan, and. Both her and I, we like to hear the commentators. You know, when you're at a bar, it's fun, too, you know, if you're hanging with your buddies and especially at your guys' age. But when you do get a little older, I enjoy just I, I enjoy the comforts of home. I can always pause it to use the restroom and facilities and all that, not miss anything. It, I, I've kind of got into that. I like watching it on my big screen TV at home. I can definitely see both benefits of both because it, it is fun being at a bar when the whole bar basically are it is. Michigan fans, you know, because we're Michigan fans. It's fun, you know, the atmosphere and the energy, it's fun and all that kind of stuff. But it is also nice sometimes to just be just relaxed on your couch. You've got all your food in your kitchen, all your drinks in your kitchen, and you don't have to worry about anyone interrupting you. You don't have to worry about someone, you know, spilling drinks on you or something like that. So I, I can see both ways. And I will say this, if I do go out to the bar, it's going to be at Rivals. I'm going to tell you that right now. Exactly. All those TVs they have. Yeah, no doubt. 
Well, that's going to do it for now. Share Three Point Podcast with all your friends. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple iTunes. Give us a rating and comment on our podcast page. You can also check us out on SoundCloud or TuneIn. Whichever site you listen to, we really do appreciate it. Best way to follow us, follow us on Twitter at 3PointPod or email us at 3PointPod at gmail.com. Thanks again to Corona Public Schools, Rivals Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, and Z92.5 The Castle, and a special thanks to our guest, John Hayes of ESPN. Give him a follow on Twitter at JohnHayes730. This has been a Sportsnet Michigan production. Until next time, thanks for listening to 3 Point Podcast. <laughs>